Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. morning. Good morning. It's such a privilege to be here. And while, while other people are up here, we are blessing Pastor Lauren in his time off. We're blessing Pastor Kelly in her time off. We're praying healing and wholeness over them and that they come back filled, healed with the Holy Spirit overflowing out of them. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on? What's up today? Today is Pentecost Sunday. What's up with that? 50 days. 50 days. at Penta. 50. Since Jesus uh, died and rose again. 50 days. The theme today is capacity. I want to speak about our capacity and how our attitude affects that. I was, uh, you wouldn't know to look at me, but I was a bit of a nerd growing up. <laughs> but uh, when I was a kid, my grandpa gave me a little 10-in-1 electronics set with the little springs on and capacitors and little jumper wires. And yep, nerd. You see it nodding. Anybody else? Um, and you would just, there's like 10 little projects you can make with this thing. And one of them was a crystal diode radio. No battery involved. None. How, how could that possibly be? What kind of magic is that? <laughs> One, you, you took this little, there's like a capacitor, a diode, a wire that you strung out my window, hung it up to the roof. Another wire I screwed in very carefully to the ground outlet on the wall in my, in my room, <laughs> my bedroom. And, uh, you know, some nights after the lights went out, you know, go to bed, I'd have the flashlight on, I'd be reading comic books under the covers, but other nights... I would, uh, I would listen to my radio. It was a little AM radio, and it was literally powered by the energy that was in the air. It had no battery in it, and there was enough power and words in the air flying through the air around me that my, my little crystal diode radio could pick it up, and it was powered alone by the radio waves. It was, it's mind-blowing. Even today, it kind of blows my mind. There's that much power flying past us that it can power a speaker, not like a stereo speaker, but one you could like jam in your ear, and you could listen to, like, late-night AM radio for, <laughs> okay, well, you can, just, just, it's cool in itself, <laughs> and uh, the only thing you had to do was tune it, that was it, there was a little variable, it's called a variable capacitor, if any of you want to know how to build one, you need one of them, a variable capacitor, and you just, it was so twitchy, you had to, like, and it needed the most powerful radio station nearby, 570, Swift Current Saskatchewan. And, <laughs> woo, hoo, hoo, hoo. hey, yeah, you know the one. And you just like, just, and don't bump it, but you just tune it, twitch, twitch, turn, turn that little capacitor until you got the radio station. You could listen all night long. No battery, no nothing. Energy in the air. Mind blowing. Where are you going with that, Tim? It's Pentecost Sunday. Trust me, it's good. 
we are each given a capacity and we are each creating attitudes for ourselves that determine which capacity that is. And we all have different capacities. And one of the strongest images I have of capacity and our attitude towards it, and if you're going with me or with many of us through our daily readings throughout the year, Bible in a year, highly recommend you get into that, is the contrast between David and Saul. David, or let's say Saul, first chosen king of Israel. He stood head and shoulders above all else, physically tall, imposing man. But Samuel said of him that he considered himself small in his own eyes. He was big on the outside, but by his attitude, he was small on the inside. And when he was put aside for David, a man after God's own heart, David was described as someone, first of all, not worth putting in the lineup when Samuel was actually looking to anoint a king when he went to the family of Jesse. He says, this is everybody. He goes through everybody. Jesse's got seven sons. Six of them are standing in front of him. And Samuel's like, uh, I looked at each one of these guys. God has not chosen any of these. Is there anyone else? Jesse's like, I have a boy. Uh, he's looking after sheep right now while the rest of us are here. And Sam was like, well, we're not going to sit down until he gets here. He gets there. And David was the kind of guy who was small on the outside, but big on the inside. He had an incredible attitude. And sometimes his attitude was tuned and changed all throughout his life. Sometimes it fell completely apart. But overall, his attitude determined his capacity. And first and foremost, he was a man after God's own heart. It was huge. And I, I have a sense that there are so many of us here that may feel a little bit like Saul. I will put myself in that category. Oftentimes, I'm like, I kind of, there's a once in a while, Tim, I feel a bit more like Saul than I do like David. I feel a bit small on the inside compared to what I see stacked against me or what God has placed me in front of to, to stand by faith in. And I feel very um, intrepid about that. I feel like... I have a faith, but it's kind of a white-knuckle faith. It's kind of a faith that's like, okay, we're going to jump the Grand Canyon, and okay, I'm just going to, like, grip really hard. My friend Sean and I, Sean McCauley and I, we were actually in a car accident once. We were nailed by a drunk driver. He T-boned us at a, at a, at a stop sign. It was, it was three kids in a pickup truck blasting through, and I was driving an 86 Oldsmobile Cutlass. And, uh, and I saw it just in time. I saw it blasting past the fire station swift current going through the stop sign, and I just, I just slammed it. I just hit the brakes so hard. And if I wouldn't have, he would have come in our door, my side door, my, my driver's side door. But I slowed down enough that he peeled off the front bumper and kept on going and smashed into the uh, um, United Church concrete wall. Yeah, it was crazy. And they, and they kept on going because they were like three drunk kids, and they were just unconscious at that point. Three, three divots in the windshield. Of, of the truck they were driving it, and the, and the back tire just kept on jumping up and down because it was just flooring it straight into a concrete wall. They're all fine. They're all good. But we came to a stop, I think pointed the other direction in the intersection, and I looked down, and I, I peeled my hand off the steering wheel, and I noticed my wedding ring was bent in an oval shape. It was, I, I don't know how I could even possibly do that, but there's just, in the moment, it was just like grab, crunch, bend, 
And I just, I had the grip strength of a silverback gorilla at that point <laughs> for like two seconds. White knuckling it in that moment right there. And I feel like there's a lot of us that are facing things that are kind of white knuckle moments. You're trying your best. You're living by faith. But man, there should be, you know what? There should be a bit more peace in our lives as we're doing these types of things, as we're stepping out in faith. We might need just a bit more peace as we're doing it, a bit more assurance of faith. And I want to I touch on this a little bit today. I want us to move from white knuckle faith to adventurous faith as we're doing this. Because we have things, every one of us is living by faith in some way, shape, or form, or we know that there is something that God is calling us to. And if you don't, hey, let's, let's ask God what that is right now. Like, God, what are you calling me to? Take a moment this week to notice that, to pay attention. What is God calling you to that is going to be a little bit past what you can and what you are right now into that white knuckle or adventurous faith phase of your life? We're going to be there today. One of the texts I want to begin with is Matthew 25, 14 to 27. Four, yeah, 14 to 27. This is a parable of the talents. A master... Uh, gives huge sums of money to his servants. And uh, he gives it according to their capability. There's three servants. And he gives gifts according to their capability. And there's no exceptions here. What I, what I feel we can take away from this right off the bat is that there's no exceptions. Everybody has capability and everybody has deposits in their life. Capacity the maximum you can contain or produce. This is the capacity of this glass. Whatever I can pour into here and pour out again, that's its capacity. Each one of these servants had a particular attitude. Attitude. What is an attitude, Tim? I looked it up. Here's what I found. An attitude is a settled way of thinking reflected in our behavior. A settled way of thinking something that we have settled on in our thinking. We may have settled in the right place with our thinking. We may have settled in the wrong place. But we have gifts according to our ability. No exceptions. We each have a deposit from God. We each have a capacity to carry it. And what you see in the first two people, uh, they're given something that they are not guaranteed to work every time. It did. Each one of these servants puts it out there. What was given to them to steward, it wasn't even theirs. They were given to them to steward, and they do something with it. One goes and invests in shipping. The other goes and invests in Bitcoin. <laughs> the third, the third did not. The third had a different attitude. Over the first two, regardless of how much return they had, this is what the master says in verse 21. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Your adventurous faith with my things, I'm going to set you over much. Good job. Well done. Well done. This is what hockey players say in the interviews every time. Just left it all out on the ice. Took it all up, put it on the ice, four lines, put it on the ice. There you go. You got to leave it out there. You cannot, this is not for us to save. This is for us to be adventurous with our faith in. 
The third one, see if you can spot his attitude. He also had received the one talent, came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. It was yours before, and it's yours again. But his master master answered him and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have scattered no seed. You ought to invest my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. And I put in my own words, he'll know what to do with it. He'll take a chance with it. He'll be adventurous in his faith with it. This is both a rebuke and an encouragement to us. I challenge us this morning to pay attention. What, if you were to ask yourself this week, what has God deposited in your life? What is one talent that he's deposited in your life? What is, what is five talents or ten talents he's deposited in your life? Without comparing yourself ourselves to anyone else, what are those things? To begin to pay attention to that. I challenge you to write those things down. What has God given me? What are the time and talents and treasures that he has placed in my life? Other people may be able to, may be able to see it easier than you. But what are they? Pay attention. Pay attention. Over this. And, and what, one of the things that moves you into adventurous faith that the first two had was obedience over rules. All settled ways of thinking. The first two, in contrast to the third, were obedient. And when I'm not confident, I can be obedient. Obedience can overrule all present, settled ways of thinking. So if you're courageous enough to notice what you have, and if you're courageous enough to have some tiny sense of what God is asking you to do in a day or a week, in a year, or over the course of your life, obedience is where you begin. And this is where we, have, we struggle with Imposter syndrome. That I'm not that. Well, everybody knows you're not that yet. God knows you're not that yet. But he speaks to us like we are. He treats us like he's dreamt he made us. He made us a particular way to land at a particular destination by the time we get to heaven. Obedience will get us there when our feelings won't. I'm asking us to be courageous in these things right now. And I think in this season of life, I think we need to be. I think some of us are walking some, some pretty nutsy trauma walking out of COVID and out of the things that have happened. Right, Gas is buck 79. I got, I got trauma filling up. It's crazy. And you want me to take steps of faith with my money? I can, I can barely afford to fill up my vehicle. Obedience overrules until your identity catches up. Okay. So we don't necessarily act out of our current identity, but I will, I will, I will follow Jesus and what he's calling me to do. And this is one of the things that held Saul back. This is one of the things that kept him small on the inside and big on the outside. He was asked again and again by Samuel to do particular things. Don't, I know Saul, 
wait for me in seven days. I'm going to meet you at this particular place. We're going to offer a sacrifice together, and then you're going to go off, and you're going to fight the enemy. Saul is waiting. It's been seven days. His army of, I believe, 3,000 people has been whittled down to 600. And he's, I can't wait. I can't wait any longer. I can't wait any longer. I don't know what God's schedule, if he's on BC time, but I got to do this. I got to do this. And so he does it. As soon as he does it, Samuel walks around the corner. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, this needed to happen. People were leaving. Who are you obeying? Obey me. Obey God. Obey God. Be fixated on him and obeying him. Tune yourself to God first with obedience. This will change your settled way of thinking. If you felt like you've been disobedient, easiest answer in the world. We just celebrated it in communion. Repent. Jesus died for our disobedience. When I first, before I knew him, when I was going my own way, he forgave me. When I sinned this morning, I repent, I turn from it. I see that Jesus took that on the cross as well. I live in a state of repentance so that I can walk in a state of obedience. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. You see this practiced in a passage that actually Pastor Lauren read last week in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3 to 6. It's about a, a dark point, probably one of the darkest points in David's life. If you are here last week or you saw it on YouTube, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody online. We love you. We bless you. We're glad you're here. Sorry. So disjointed. I have to pay attention. But if you're online or if you're here in the room, Pastor Lauren read this entire chapter last week about a dark point in David's life. How everybody, well, they came back from a mission. They came back to their home base, their home city. It had been completely ransacked. Everything robbed, everything taken. His own men wrecked in the morale. And with nowhere to turn that anger, they turned it upon David. And what was he to do? In verse 5, it says, David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters who they had lost. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. A good way to measure your attitude can be, um, how do I feel about life? Is life good? Do I believe life is good? Do I believe life is ish? Do I believe life is terrible? And what's your response to that? What's your immediate response to that? I, uh, I'm so leery to, I talk too much about myself sometimes. But I had, a, I had a bit of a revelation when I was driving one day about a month ago. And it was, I was, to be honest, I was plowing through a few difficult things in my life at that point. But I really felt like, I feel like life is trying to kill me. And I'm just trying not to take it personally right now. 
And I thought about posting that as an Instagram thing because it sounded kind of witty and kind of funny. And then I thought about it and I was like, that's dark. <laughs> that's really dark. And I had to look at this. What does this mean about my attitude? I think life is pretty rough. I think life is pretty tough. And to be honest, I can give you a lot of reasons why it is. I know other people have harder lives than myself. But I also know that my, my attitude primarily around God is directed by myself. And I have to direct it towards life can be whatever it is. God is good. God is good. And David strengthened himself in the Lord with loss and animosity towards him at that point. When we have nothing else under our control, when our life feels dark, life might be trying to kill me. Here's, here's what I have control of. I have control over my outlook and my attitude. Towards life, mm, I don't know, life might actually be pretty rough. But God is good. And I will focus on him. And I will manage myself in such a way to establish the goodness of God over the challenges of life. Now, you can find plenty of examples in David's life of how he did this. One of the Psalms, and David wrote many Psalms, one of the Psalms that's closely associated with this season of David's life, both now and afterwards, was Psalm 18. Psalm 18, closely associated with this moment at Ziklag and the things that happened afterwards, which actually turned around in a ridiculously fast way. Within a very short time, he was king over a portion of Israel for seven years and then became king over all of Israel for a full 40 years after that. But in the meantime, in this before time, he's running through the desert like a desert rat being chased from cave to cave by Saul, the one who is small on the inside but big on the outside. Psalm 18. I challenge you to read it and look at the characteristics of a man who knows how to strengthen himself in the Lord, a boy who worshipped when he was tending the sheep, a boy who knew how to connect with God when he was alone. Read Psalm 18 for yourself. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. It's actually a very long psalm, but there's characteristics in it that I could, I could um, encourage you to look for. Within Psalm 18, he talks about how it was. He pours out his heart. He talks about how it is now. He talks about the turnaround that happened. And he's thankful for it. He says what God did. He declares it with his mouth. And he says what he did with God. He rejoices in it. He pours out his heart. He's thankful. He declares. He rejoices. And I, I've had a number of conversations with different people, primarily around marriages. And I've encouraged them to do a particular thing. And I've seen interesting results from it. Uh, I said, and, and we've done this too, let's just spend five minutes, maybe ten minutes a day sitting together. Doing what? I don't know. Just face each other for five minutes and ten minutes. And I've seen some amazing results come out of that. 
If you're a person that struggles with quiet time, there's a brilliant app called Pause by John Eldridge. It actually shows you how to take a one-minute pause in your day just to recognize God's presence. And uh, I highly recommend that. And what these begin to do as you begin to pour out your heart, be thankful, declare, rejoice, you begin to pay attention to where God is in the day, to where God is in your life. The more you're thankful, the more you can actually become prophetic by being thankful. The more you thank, the more you're noticing the hand of God in the present, in the past, the more you can notice if he was there, if, if he was at point A, B, C, D, E, I think he's going that way. Lord, I agree with that in Jesus' name. I'm going to stand in the middle of that line. I'm going to go that way until you say otherwise. I'm going to do that. And if there's anything, and this has nothing to do with my message right now, but I would really, I would truly encourage, particularly, I really felt this before the message. I encourage men. I encourage men to take a chance. And I just, I encourage you that God is wanting to unlock your heart. God is wanting to put a little WD-40 on the mechanism of your heart to loosen it up, to begin to become expressive about God, even towards, even in your own quiet times first. I, I'm not a worshiper, Tim. I'm barely a reader. I just, I just, I'm a task-oriented person. I'm going to encourage you to take one minute of your day and begin to practice a spiritual discipline called pouring out your heart to God to be very honest with him. And I've done plumbing. I know that the first things that come out of the pipe when you're trying to jam it, unjam it, they're not good things. <laughs> it's not good. We'll just leave it right there. But let's begin to unlock a heart. Where does that begin? It begins by pouring out your heart to God. Yeah. Psalm 18, you will see where David was. You will see what he was contending with. And he'll put it out with his words. He'll put it out there. Just get in a room alone and just like pour it out. I'm not, my words are not good. Yeah, okay, great, whatever, just start. Practice, practice it, practice it. Then be thankful. I'm not that great at being thankful. I'm not that great at being thankful. Begin to practice it. The first things I do when I'm thankful are usually very, like, I, I thank God, I've got a great dog, you know? <laughs> And thank God, you know, for air. You know, I'd start anywhere. I'll start anywhere. But I'll begin and I will, I will practice it and I'll become more fluent in being thankful. And it will begin to unlock things in my heart. And then the, probably the scariest moment is emotion may pop up. And this may be why it was locked up in the first place. Emotion may come to the surface. And this is where we begin, where we the opportunity to put words to our emotion and direct them towards our Heavenly Father. And it's unbelievably vulnerable, but I'm saying, particularly to guys, this is something that God can give you fluency in. God can make you fluent in your heart towards God. And you can connect with Him in a way that you've never connected with Him before. Okay. We control our attitude when nothing else is controllable. Where's my attitude? Where are we going here? Attitudes. Why attitudes? So that we can have a good capacity 
for what God has placed into our lives and what he continues to place into our lives. It's Pentecost Sunday. What is that? Traditionally, it's the day where we see the fulfillment of where the church began in Acts chapter 2, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the first believers of Jesus. And you can look at Acts chapter 2, and you can see what it's like. The book of Acts is written by Luke, the same person that wrote the book of Luke, one of the Gospels about Jesus. And you can see how Luke finishes and how he leads into the book of Acts. There was a progression of what happened here. Jesus died in the book of Luke. He's resurrected. And he doesn't just appear as a ghost, flitting, you know, uh, momentary appearances to people. He spends 40 days, Luke documents 40 days of encounters and conversations and meals with Jesus after he was resurrected. Luke talks about this in the very last chapter. Someone was doing Jesus' dishes after he was resurrected. He was not a ghost. He was there. And then the book of Acts, chapter 1. This is where it picks up after that. Talking about Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And while he was saying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Even after 40 days with Jesus, they're still asking the questions we would ask today. Jesus, when are you uh, when you're leaving? When are you coming back? When are you coming back? I've watched and a lot of news going on. A lot of crazy things are happening. Gas is at 179. When are you coming back? Jesus is like, you're asking, you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, what do you have for me, Jesus, until you come back? What do you have for me? What do you have for me? And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a time to come back, but I do have power and a mission for you. Uh, it, people are going to be wondering when you're coming back to their place. People are going to wonder when you're coming back to their neighborhood or their home. Because I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is going to be substantial, not symbolic. It is going to have substance when you have that relationship with him. People are going to miss you when you're not in the room because they know that life walked in when you walked in and that they can have that life as well. Yeah, you can start coming back up. Thank you, worship team. <laughs> the right question is, when are you going to give me the Holy Spirit? And Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until he comes. In fact, don't go out until he comes. There were 40 days with Jesus. They were 10 days in prayer, going to the temple every day, praying, waiting on God, seeking his face in prayer, devoting themselves to prayer. And then the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and there was, suddenly came from heaven a sound of a rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. These were practical tongues. These were tongues that actually spoke the language of every single person in the city that was gathered for a celebration at that point. They were prophesying. They were telling them of God's wonders. This is what the Holy Spirit empowered them to do. This is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. He gives us a confidence that we could not create in ourselves. And I have a deep need for the Holy Spirit to be poured out more in my life. And when we're desperate and wondering what we're supposed to do with the news that we're receiving from around the world that we have no control over, God may be asking a particular, well, he may be pointing out something. He may be saying, is there a question you should be asking me? Is there something you would like from me? While you see terror, while you see confusion, while you see sickness and insanity around the world that we can't control. Is there something that you would like from me? Hint, hint. It's the Holy Spirit. God offers us the Holy Spirit. One of the things that they say, and I'm going to wrap up with this. Jesus was saying these things, and he's actually rising, physically rising from the earth to go with his heavenly Father as he's talking with them in Acts chapter 1. And he said in verse 9, he says, as he said these things, they were looking on, for he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went. And behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from heaven will come the same way as you saw him go. He said, Why are you looking up into heaven? Why are, we looking onto our, why are we looking down at our phones? Why are we looking up? Why are we looking everywhere but where God has called us to? Put your eyes dead straight on seeking the presence, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life today. Every single believer who has invited Jesus into their life has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. But, but, our capacity is such that it can receive more of the Holy Spirit. We, these, these glasses are, have the Holy Spirit in them. Our lives have the Holy Spirit in them. But, Holy Spirit upon us is pouring out and overflowing. It's like this glass becomes a fire hose. It aims outward. And it says, out of, your, out, of your, out of your inner being, fountains will flow. Infinite power and strength, the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit flows out of us when we cry out to him and ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. So I, with those very eloquent words, I say that kind of self-deprecatingly, but fumbling along here, trying to say what an infant God can do when he gives us his Holy Spirit, that's what I hunger for. I'm going to invite us all just to stand now. If you would like more of the Holy Spirit in your life, just stick out your hands like you're going to receive something. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come in this place to baptize us in you. To not only be filled by you, but to be immersed in you. Give us your power to do what only you can do. Give us adventurous faith. Help us to see what you've called us to. Unlock our hearts to worship and pour them out to you. 
and to receive joy and love. Heal our relationship with you. Let our eyes not look up to where you were or down to our phones where the news reaches out to tear us down. But we look to you and we cry out to you in prayer and in faith, trusting that you have more for us. We're ready for it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.